Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. I just want to say welcome once again. Thank you so much for taking the time to worship with us today. And I'm excited that you're here to spend these next few minutes with me talking about Jesus. I pray that in this current time, you're thriving, that you're not just surviving, but that you're actually thriving and seeing God do amazing things in the middle of your life. How many communications and uh, pieces of email and different things have you seen that start out with the phrase, in these uncertain times? It's like, it's really doom and gloom and it starts working on you if you listen to it. What if we were people that changed the way we talk and how we delivered things? Instead of starting out with, in these uncertain times, what if we started our communications out with, hey, I've got some good news. I saw this week uh, actor John Krasinski. You may know him as Jim from The Office. That's his most famous role. But he created a show on YouTube called Some Good News. In the first week of airing it, he had over 16 million views on his YouTube channel. People are hungry for good news in the middle of what's happening right now, and we carry that. We have it in spades because we are Jesus followers. We carry good news. Uh, We've got good news going on at the church right now. You probably already heard it in New Life News this week. We're in the middle of an outreach that has sown over $10,000 into local businesses right now, and we've provided over 1,100 meals to healthcare workers. What an amazing time. We've already had one this year, but we've got three weddings on the schedule for the remainder of 2020. In the middle of a global pandemic, we've had that happen. We've had people getting married. It's an amazing time. God is up to good things if we're just willing to look for it and see it. What if we were people that changed the way we communicated and said, I've got some good news for you right now? What if instead of these uncertain times, we said, I know some things for certain right now. God loves you and he's at work in our lives. Those are things that we need to be communicating about. And uh, after last week's message, I hope you had an opportunity this week to share truth with somebody. Not our opinions or our version of it, but to actually share the truth with somebody. People right now, they need the truth. They need hope. They need love. They need peace. They need people to give them good news right now more than our opinions, more than our politics. If you couldn't make it this whole week without saying something disparaging to somebody because of their political viewpoints, then you may need to seriously consider taking a break for a little while. Uh, after last week, I was reading this verse this week that really started to work on me a little bit. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14, it says this, Do everything. Man, that encompasses the entire list. Whatever you had on your agenda today, this verse is talking about it. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Man, we seem to be quick to single out the complaining part out of that verse. Oh, yeah, complaining in the Bible. That got God's people in trouble. I know you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, instead of complaining about what I don't have, I should be thankful. We're quick to talk about that. But for some reason, we skip right over that part about arguing. Yet Paul says... That's one of the ways that people know that we're Jesus followers. Part of the way that they see God's light shining in us and know that we are His children is when we do everything without complaining and without arguing. Uh, 
You might be sitting there thinking, oh, but you don't understand. People make me so upset, especially those people, whoever that may be. It may be certain people in Washington, D.C. or people on your street or at your workplace. And you're thinking, those people make me so upset. I can't do what that verse is saying. Uh, I saw this quote from Max Lucado. He said, Jesus was able to do what he did because people were not a source of stress to him, but a source of joy. If someone makes us angry or upset or frustrated, then we're not seeing them the same way that Jesus sees them, including those people, whoever they may be. Let's get back to seeing people the way that Jesus sees them. Come on, we've talked about being new people in the middle of our circumstances and God giving us a new address. We've hit on all those topics recently, but I want to spend a few minutes today talking about how have we changed what we do to be new which may include how we see people and how we value them. How have we changed what we do to be new? And uh, during the quarantine, what have you done or had to do in a new way? What are some things that, oh, this, the way we did it before just doesn't work anymore. i got to come up with a new way of doing it. Uh, maybe you've figured out how to work from home. Uh, or maybe you've, you've figured out how to make your own masks so you could go to the store. Uh, maybe you had to figure out how to do a workout at home because your gym closed and you can't go work out somewhere anymore. Maybe, this is the one I hear from most people, especially parents with young children, maybe you've had to figure out how to be a homeschool teacher. Can I get an amen from the crowd right now? Anybody that's had to do that knows how difficult learning a new thing can be right now. Uh, we've had to figure out how to still meet with people online, how to, how to connect and how to to reach out to people. Uh, in fact, you can sign up for a life group and figure out how to communicate with people online yourself. It's an amazing thing to get to see people's faces right now and check in. Uh, before six weeks ago, I had never preached a sermon in an empty room to a camera. We've had to learn how to do new things right now. And today I want to take a few minutes to talk about the concept of innovation. We've had to innovate. We've had to learn how to do new things. And that's simply what innovation means. It means to do something new or to figure out a new way of doing something. You know, if, for example, a band that's been around for years and years and continues to have top 40 hits, at some point they probably had to innovate their sound and come up with something different and fresh and new. Uh, businesses that survive have had to learn how to innovate. Uh, you might remember several years ago, Blockbuster and Netflix both were doing rentals of how to get you DVDs at home and how to, how to make that happen. And Blockbuster didn't innovate quite enough and they went bankrupt. And Netflix figured out how to innovate and they become the leader in streaming services, a giant in the marketplace right now. They're thriving more than Hollywood right now as theaters are shut down. We have to innovate. Thank God that groceries and restaurants started innovating years ago, figuring out how to, how to set up home delivery for groceries and for food. My, my mom and my grandma recently discovered Instacart. My mom had been trying to figure out how to get my grandmother groceries and she calls me up one day and she says, Grammy and I discovered this thing called Instacart and you can actually put your grocery order in the online and they'll come and bring it to your house. It was amazing. And uh, we've got people and friends right now that they work for DoorDash or Grubhub. These are all innovations that happen. Can you imagine if we had been trying to go through a stay-at-home order five or even ten years ago, what it would look like and how much more difficult it would be? Thank God for people that have been innovating all along and especially during this crisis right now. 
I had somebody just recently tell me that for about two years, their company had been training their staff how to work from home remotely. And they were taking one day a week every two weeks or one week every four weeks, whatever it was, to work from home and to learn how to interact, to get online and to do their job at home. And he hated it at the time. He didn't like working from home. He thought it wasn't as convenient as being in his office with all his regular equipment. But as soon as this crisis happened and they had a stay at home order, his company instantly said with no hitches whatsoever everybody you're going to work from home right now and he said it was awesome they all got online right away nobody missed a beat they all still have their jobs and they're doing the work they need to do thank god for innovation to some degree we've all had to innovate right now to find new ways to do things and to be together right now some of it may have been uncomfortable we are creatures of habit we don't always like to learn new things or develop new ways of doing things but innovation can save us and move us forward in times when everybody else is stuck and sometimes i hear from people right now especially thinking about how we're praying about when to reopen the church and when to start having in-person meetings again and uh, just different various things in life, not even with just the church, but people's workplaces and how they shop and their old things. Uh, There's a lot of people that can't wait until this season is over so they can go back to the way things used to be. I've heard it a lot recently. Man, oh, I can't wait until that store's open again or that restaurant's open or I can't wait till we have church again so we can go back to the way things used to be. What if, come on, go with me here for a second. What if the way things used to be is not a place where God wants us to go back to? What if there are things that he has caused us and helped us to innovate right now that we need to hang on to and to continue to embrace? Come on, there are some things that they will resume. We'll go back to baseball games and seeing football on TV at some point. But what if the way things used to be in every area of our life is not a place we're supposed to go back to? I believe that there's new things that we've developed and new things we've learned during this season that God wants to continue to carry forward in our lives. That he doesn't want us to be looking back to the past and yearning for that. There's a verse in Isaiah chapter 43. In verse 18, it says this, Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. God doesn't want us to live in the past and long for the way things used to be. He wants us to be alert and to be present right now to see what he's doing in this moment. Sometimes we miss new things that God is doing and new things that are happening in our lives because we've been so focused on trying to hold on to the old and to go back to the way things used to be. And I'm here to remind us today that God is a God of new. He's always interested in doing something new. It's an amazing uh, thing about God. He He is the God that doesn't change, yet he's always doing something new. He loves new songs, new ways, new things that he does in our lives. And uh, I want to spend the last few minutes today sharing a story uh, from Scripture in the Old Testament where God brought victory to his people through some innovation, through a new way of doing things that people didn't expect. In the Old Testament, God's people were called the Israelites. Uh, They were the nation of people that they followed the one true God, even when the nations around them didn't know who God was, had no clue or no idea. And uh, they were following God, and there was a group of people called the Philistines who fought Israel all the time. And if you study about the Philistines, uh, their name literally means not from this place. 
They were people who were invaders that weren't from that area that were trying to conquer new lands. And they came and they, they tried to conquer the Israelites and they fought with them throughout the scripture. You can see it. Uh, the word Philistine also comes from a root word in Hebrew that means to roll in the dust. So anytime that you see the Philistines in the Old Testament and you're reading through scripture, they represent ungodliness and things that aren't supposed to be in the land. And that was the conflict with Israel. They were always trying to be in Israel's land and Israel was always trying to drive them out. And uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, the Philistines had invaded Israel's land and they had come to do battle with them. They had come to invade and to take things over. And I'm, I'm going to remind us, something ungodly might be trying to invade your land today. There might be something in your life that doesn't belong there. Maybe it's fear or anger or sin or doubt or discouragement or even complaining and arguing like we read in that verse earlier. Those are all things that are ungodly that try to come and invade our land. They take root in our lives and they want to take over. And if we don't fight them off, they'll have a victory in our lives and they will take over. It could even be something as simple as something that's just trying to hold you back and keep you from using the gifts that God's put in your life. They're all Philistines that come and try to battle us. And when the Philistines invaded in 1 Samuel chapter 17, Israel's army, led by King Saul, went out to fight against them. They went out to meet him to say, hey, we're here to battle. And instead of fighting, what happened during uh, 1 Samuel 17, what happened in that chapter, instead of fighting, both armies camped on the hillside on either side of a valley. And they just began to yell at each other. Every day they began to come out. It's, it's like I picture them coming out in the morning and they're like, I'm going to fight you. And the other guy says, oh yeah, bring it on. I'm going to fight you. And they just did that every day instead of actually fighting. Have you ever seen a, a throwdown like that? Is guys talking a mean game at each other, but they never actually fight. That's kind of what was going on. They were having an insult contest. It was like a prolonged yo mama contest. They just came out every day to throw insults at each other. Uh, I picture Monty Python in the Holy Grail. Go away now or I will taunt you again. Uh, that's what they were doing right now. And sometimes that's like what happens in our lives, we recognize that the enemy is there, but we don't engage them. We never actually fight them. And you know, we may even be willing to talk about it. They were taunting each other. Sometimes we're even willing to talk about how bad the issue is in our lives, but we're not actually taking any steps to fight it. I know I'm rude. I know I have a temper. Oh, I know that's such a, oh, I'm so sorry I do that over and over again. We talk about these enemies but we don't actually engage them and try to get them out of our lives. And that's where the Israelites found themselves. We, sometimes we end up just like the Israelites in our lives, camped out in the hillside, looking at the issues in our lives, but never actually engaging them or fighting them off. And that's where the Israelites found themselves. They were camped out and uh, they stopped moving forward to the battle lines. They just camped out right there. And when we stop moving forward, the enemy has already won a little victory in our lives. When he can keep us, it doesn't even matter if we're fighting or engaging. If he just stops us from moving forward and, and lets himself camp out in our lives, then he's already got a little bit of a victory. And we can't let the enemy do that. Jesus died on the cross so that we could have victory in every area of our lives and not let the enemy continue to have footholds in our lives. Now, the problem was... As we read this story in 1 Samuel 17, the problem was that the Philistines had a guy on their side named Goliath. 
You may have heard of him. He was a giant, literally. Uh, if you read through scripture, he was somewhere between nine and a half and ten and a half feet tall. That's like literally I'd be looking at his stomach or his chest and seeing like four more feet above me. Nine and a half or ten feet tall. He was physically impressive and intimidating. Some things that talk about his name that give the implication he was stout. So he wasn't like a skinny, you know, eight foot tall basketball player that only weighs 190 pounds. He was impressive. He was a giant in every sense of the word. And sometimes the giant being physically intimidating, sometimes that's the way our problems and our issues in our lives feel. They're intimidating to us. And we get. We hold back from addressing them because we're intimidated by what's going on. And your giant may be different than mine, but every giant's tactics are often the same. They try to intimidate to keep us from taking steps to get them out of our lives. And so what Goliath did is he came out every day and he joined in this yelling at the Israelites. He insulted them and disparaged them. He tried to make them feel afraid and worthless to tell them, oh, you'll never win anything. I'll kill all of you. And he challenged them every single day. Send a guy. Just send one guy. Come out and fight me. And whoever wins, that's who will win the whole war. And he was intimidating to them so much so it says this in 1 Samuel 17 verse 8. It says, on hearing the Philistines words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Dismayed means, ah, we'll never be able to do anything about that. It's hopeless. Have you ever felt like that with a giant in your life? I'll never be able to do anything about that. It says they were dismayed and terrified. Terrified says, I'm too scared to even try. What if everybody finds out I deal with that? What if, what if I do something and it doesn't work? All these things that frighten us, that try to hold us back, they were dismayed and terrified. And Goliath came out and yelled this at them, that challenged them and, and derided them every day, twice a day, for 40 days, it says in Scripture. 40 days is exactly about how long we've been in quarantine right now. Can you imagine seeing Goliath come out and challenge you every day for 40 days? And when we sit there, like the Israelites did, and we're not willing to try something new or to do something different to try to address the giants in our lives, when we're not willing to do that, it makes the problem even worse. If you read down after the 40 days of the Israelites hearing Goliath yell this, at first they were dismayed and terrified, but after 40 days in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 24, it says, when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. After 40 days of intimidation, the Israelites wouldn't even stand on the hillside anymore when Goliath came out to taunt them. They all ran and hid in their tents, and they didn't even want to hear it anymore. Man, we get to that place when we don't address things, we don't embrace something new or try to do a new thing to get something out of our lives. We get to the place where we won't even talk about our issues anymore. We don't think there's anything that can be done about them. We're afraid of trying something in a new way, and we're content to just run and hide and let that giant remain in our lives. And as the story goes on in 1 Samuel 17, a young boy named David showed up. And they didn't even know it yet, but he was their future king. He was the one that God had chosen to deliver them and that he was going to raise up to be king one day. And David, he had spent most of his youth 
out as a shepherd in the field tending sheep. And he wrote a lot of beautiful psalms that are recorded in scripture there. Uh, He had a real and a meaningful relationship with God. He didn't just keep the rules for the sake of keeping the rules. He knew who God was and had seen him move in his life and had a relationship with him. And the vibrancy of that relationship that David had with God caused him to get indignant when he saw Goliath coming out to challenge God's people. David was like, how is this Philistine getting away with saying those things? Doesn't he know who we serve? Doesn't he know the relationship we have with God? He was indignant about that giant intimidating the people of Israel. And when we prioritize our relationship with God, it stirs us to want to get things out of our life that don't belong there. Intruders, invaders, whatever you want to call it, the sinfulness, the ungodliness, or just the fear and intimidation that tries to hold us back. When we have a vibrant and real relationship with God, it motivates and stirs us to say, that thing doesn't belong in my life. I need to take steps to get rid of it. And how did David be chosen? How did he get so indignant? How did he have a victory? What happened when he showed up on the scene? Here's a little secret. David's name means beloved. He knew that he was loved by God. And when you know that you're loved, you can beat anything. When you know that God is with you no matter what, that you are his, that he belongs to you and you belong to him, that you are loved by him, it gives you courage. It fills you with something that says, I can beat anything and take on anything. So what David does is David goes up to Saul and says, hey, don't worry about this anymore. I can go fight that guy. I've got this. And uh, Saul was a little leery, to say the least. David was just a young boy. And Saul says, hey, that, that guy over there, he's been fighting since he was a young man. He's killed more people than you've ever even lived. Uh, like, I don't know what Saul said to him exactly, but David begins to rehearse. Here are some testimonies, Saul. Here's where I've seen God come through in my life before. And I know that he'll do it again because I know who God is. And after they talk for a little while, Saul actually agrees to let David go fight Goliath. He says, man, may the Lord be with you. Go ahead and and go do this thing. But Saul tried to get David to embrace the old ways of doing things. If you read that chapter in 1 Samuel 17, Saul takes his armor and says, David, you have to wear this, and here's my sword, and this is the way you have to fight. This is the way we've always done things. This is what works. And David says, man, I I can't do things that way. There's something fresh. There's something new. Just like Saul had to come to grips with, man, there's a new way of fighting. There's a new way of beating a giant. There's a new way of getting these things out of our land. We need to embrace some new ways of doing things. Because really, I don't think the old ways of doing things are going to produce the results they've always produced in the past. We have to look for God. What are you doing right now? How do you want us to move? Where do you want us to engage? What is it going to look like? What is the new thing that you're doing? And most of you know the end of this story. David, instead of using all of Saul's armor and fighting with a sword, he takes a rock and a sling and he runs out to meet the giant. And he takes this sling, he throws the rock, it hits the giant right in the head. Goliath falls over on his face and it says David literally ran up, pulled the giant's sword out of its scabbard himself and he killed Goliath with his own sword. And the giants in our lives that are holding us back sometimes, they talk a good game. But when we embrace God's new ways, they don't stand a chance. 
And David won the victory that day. And the key point I want to make out of that story of David embracing a new way, and God is challenging us to innovate. He's challenging us to embrace some new ways of doing things. What are we going to carry forward into the next season? Instead of being content with, oh, I just can't wait to go back to the way things used to be. And we're going to go right back to doing things the way we've always done them. What is new that God is going to want us to go forward with? How are we going to be open to innovating if we go right back to the way things always were? Man, God didn't cause this outbreak. He didn't cause it as a judgment on the earth. That's not how he operates. That's not what he does. does. The cross set us free from that judgment and those retributions. Uh, But God will use this crisis, this outbreak, to produce something in us. He will use it to move us forward. Come on, as a church, there's new things that we've had to do. There's new ways that we've embraced of connecting with people and caring for one another that we're going to continue to do those things and carry them forward. And we're going to have to look for what are the other new ways that God wants to use right now to move us forward. As individuals, there's things that we need to learn that are new and embrace those things and not shy away from them. There may be some things that we need to leave behind in the past and say, I'm not going to go back to that anymore, but I'm going to embrace the new. And David's victory in that story, it caused the whole army to be filled with courage. It says when they saw David defeat Goliath, they all jumped up and they pursued the Philistines and routed them that day. They won a great victory. Can I just tell you that our breakthroughs that we receive in our life from doing things and embracing the new, they will produce something not just in us, but in the lives of the people around us. When we embrace what God wants to do, it wins a victory in us, but also for the people that we love and care about. And I don't know what God's asking you to innovate today. Uh, Maybe your innovation is, how do I get outside of myself and connect with others right now? What are some new ways that I need to to make friends and to reach out to people right now? Maybe your innovation is how do I cultivate a new habit? How do I leave something uh, old in the past and begin to do new things in my life? I've been working on a new habit of trying to lose weight during the quarantine and the stay-at-home thing. That's an amazing time. Lots of fun there. Uh, Maybe your innovation is how do I break the cycle of loneliness or selfishness or all those things that seem to come back in cycles in our lives. Maybe God's using this time and this hour to breathe something fresh and new to break you out of those cycles. What is a creative way that I could use the gifts and the talents that God's given me? I don't know what it would look like for you, but I just know that God is challenging us to innovate right now, to look for new ways and embrace new ways of doing things. And that's my action item for this week. For each and every one of us, try a new way of doing something this week. Pray about it first. Ask God to speak to you. I don't know. It will look different for everybody. But try something new. Ask Him to give you a fresh and a new way. Wisdom from heaven on how to do something that's new. Maybe ask Him what's new that you need to keep doing. Maybe you've already started something new and you need to continue that forward in your life even after the stay-at-home order ends and we go back to a somewhat normal life. Maybe He wants you to carry some things forward. Or maybe there's some old things that He's asking you to let go of permanently. Spend some time, ask God what it is, and then try something new. Embrace something new this week. And before we end today, I just want to give you the opportunity. If you've never started a relationship with God, your whole life could be new today. 
all it takes is to believe in Him, that He is the Son of God, that God raised Him from the dead after He went to the cross, which was for us. He did that so that we could have a relationship with Him. He really can forgive our past and redeem our future. And if you've never started that relationship today, I would encourage you, that is the first new thing that you need to embrace today. And it's as simple as praying in your heart, Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross for me. I receive your life right now and ask you to make all things new in me. And if you've already started a relationship with Jesus, if you're a Christian, I think especially us, we need to remember sometimes that there are old things that we need to leave behind and embrace a God who is fresh and new in all his ways. And so I just encourage you, as as I pray for you right now, just spend this moment asking God, what is new that I need to embrace? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. God, help us to be carriers of that good news, the fresh new things that we see you doing, that you're never shaken, even by what's going on in the world right now. You are still using it for good on our behalf, and we are open to you right now, Lord. We ask that you would use this time and this season to produce something new in us that would be a light and a testimony to the world. Change how we interact with the world. Change things inside of us that are stuck in habits and patterns that need to be broken up and need to be moved into new ways of doing things. God, I thank you that you are alive and live in us, that you are vibrant, that you are full of power and life, that your spirit dwells right inside of us and enables us to always move forward and to see what you are doing. God, I thank you that as we open our mouths to tell others about what you've done in our lives and what you are continuing to do, that it will break through in even other people's lives, that they will come to know you because they hear stories about your goodness and that we testify about what you have done and what you want to do in their lives as well. God, I bless your people right now. I thank you for your hand upon us for good. And I just ask that you would continue to be with us even as we leave this moment right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to talk about Jesus with me and what he wants to do and is doing in our lives. We're going to take a few more minutes to finish with worship again and just spend some time with him, asking him to be here with us, not just in one physical location, but to be wherever we are and wherever we go. God bless you guys. Have a great day.